Hello everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today it's just going to be the two of us and uh, with the election, the American election coming up, uh, I don't know, figured we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're going to break down all the like specific, you know, the policy plans and the polls and blah, blah, blah. Uh, There's plenty of people you can go to for that kind of thing and that's not really what we're interested in here. Um, but I think we will be talking a little bit just around the way people are reacting to this election because it's been such a crazy year. And, uh, you know, why not just throw presidential election into the mix that, you know, just sort of seems to fit. So, you know, a lot of the big got to vote, got to vote, voting. It's the most important thing. It's the most important election in the whole world, that kind of thing going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, people are taking it real serious and, um, I don't know. just seems something that we ought to discuss. So I know I got harangued a little bit the other day about not voting. So I'm not going to vote mainly out of laziness. I don't really care that much. So yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty much my response. Someone just sort of casually asked me if I was going to vote or not. And if I was registered and I said, nah, you know, I, I'm not even sure if I am registered. I don't think I am, but if I am registered, it would be either here in Illinois, a blue state or in Washington, a blue state. So I was like, you know, the person I was talking to was a Biden supporter. So I was like, you know, it's not going to affect anything. I'm not in a battleground state or whatever they're called. So yeah, you know, it's whatever to me. And, uh, you know, they got kind of upset and they were just like, oh, it's so important. You got to vote. You know, it's it's really important that you do that. And uh, yeah. I was just kind of saying, well, I just don't like either candidate. I don't I'm not motivated enough by anything they're offering to kind of push me one way or the other. So I'm, you know, just not bothering with it. And, yeah. uh, you know, they got into kind of some pretty silly arguments about, oh, but Trump so bad, you know, he's always in the news. It's like, well, yeah, well, he, that, that he is, he's always in the news and gave tax cuts to billionaires. Well, I was like, okay. And, uh, what American president hasn't done that, you know, just go down the line, like Obama yeah. in 2008 and George Bush and like whatever, 2000 or whatever it was. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. It just sort of struck me the whole, um, the way people get really like have these blinders on. It's like the, the only the past month or so existed, you know, like I remember a few months ago, the same person was really iffy about Biden and was sort of leaning towards like a Warren Bernie kind of a thing. Yeah. And now it's just diehard Biden Harris, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's just, a I don't know. I, I, I respect this person a lot. They, uh, they're generally very intelligent and stuff. And I don't even think they're being, it's not stupid exactly. It's just, uh, you know, people just get suckered into this stuff. It's really a shame. So, I mean, have you have you ever voted? Yeah, I voted for Obama the first time. Okay. So, is it like, see, it's different how it works there in terms of like registration and all that. So, you're, 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 you're gone now, right? You can't, you're not registered or anything like, or... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can. I mean, I think there's some sort of stuff you can do that is way more trouble than it's worth for someone who's yeah. like not really interested in the first place. Sure. So it's not like there's not like a lower level ballot stuff that you care about either. Because that's the other thing is that like your ballots are like huge, aren't they generally? Like you get like a bunch of different things you have to vote for. Or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
I'm the wrong okay. person to ask about <laughs> sure, this book. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I think that's the case. Um, I know Tabs is sort of, you know, considering that kind of thing. Like she's feeling very similarly to me about the presidential stuff. But in terms of like local things, it's like, well, maybe there's something there that's worth look, looking into. But I don't know. It, Chicago is like, is that really going to be that different from I, – I figure like the whole – Everyone who's involved in Chicago politics is 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 highly corrupt. Basically, you know, I yeah. just figure like that. There's no real like, oh wow, this person's going to do that. That's amazing. I'm definitely voting for them. Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. there is. We did get something in the mail the other day that was about some sort of like tax that was supposed to. I guess there's like some flat tax thing in some some kind of way that they want to end and make it like a progressive tax or something like that. So, okay. okay seems fine. I guess, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I, I enjoy doing the like little formality stuff of all that, like all the checking the box and everything and doing all that. But for me in Canada, it's, it's a lot different, I think, because it takes like, I, I go to their office, usually like the elections office, you can just go there for like the month before the election or something or like for a while and just they'll give you a ballot and you can just do it then kind of thing so if, if you're like at the mall you can just go there and do it and it'll take five seconds there's not like a long line or anything and it's like all retirees there just like hanging out so it's like it's it's a very pleasant experience <laughs> and then and then there's like maybe five names on the ballot and you just choose one so it's mm-hmm. not like 10 questions about like do you think that this bond should be issued to buy textbooks for private schools in this county or something you know it's not like that kind of stuff it's just you know you take your two seconds and then you know they take your ballot and then they throw it in the garbage basically <laughs> like you know what I mean like they, right. they do all that they do that and then it doesn't really matter because I live in a area that you know it flips between the liberals and the conservatives maybe but mostly conservative now so but yeah so I don't know the whole it's funny because you get hectored online with all this stuff just constantly this vote 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 stuff and uh, I, I like I feel in my person somewhere that like I'm supposed to be doing something, even though I'm Canadian. You know what I mean? Like there's some, <laughs> there's some there's some impulse there. It's like, am I supposed to be registered? Is there something? You know, when do I get my ballot? Kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. And uh, if it if it's that level of uh, pressure on me, and I'm not even you know, then I gotta wonder what it is for a lot of Americans. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's like it's not that. I, I as I said, I kind of like it, like the formality of all that. It's like very minorly bureaucratic or something. It satisfies me, but sure. uh, the mathematics of it is not really heavily in the favor of voting in terms of like it being the be all and end all. The difference I would say would be like money. Like if you had like, you know, a large amount of money in the bank and you could give like a few thousand dollars to a state senate candidate or something you know then you can make a huge difference because you know that might be enough for them to hire a staffer for a week and then that person might organize a few hundred people to vote or something right right like it's not but that's like, usually the problem right the people with money have- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it is a problem but i just mean that like in terms of because you kind of have to think in terms of the actual consequences of your vote that's not what anyone does almost yeah. everyone has this idea that like your vote is somehow a reflection of your inner soul or something you know like that you're you're showing up at the polls and being like some wise judge or something deciding between two people and then it's the deciding factor instead of you know 
and at the end of the day, I don't really know what you're going to ever get. Like if you've got like, say maybe 200 million adults in the U S or like 150, whatever, you know, like you're never going to have a system where 200 million people have a meaningful say on, you know, every issue of the, you know, I, it just won't work. It just won't happen. Right. Like it's like, you, you might have something where there's a better consensus or something or like there's better outcomes for people, but it's not like uh, you're never going to get to the point where everyone is like, yep, I, we all voted and we all feel good about what we did. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you're never yeah. going to get to that point where somehow. So I think that's also one of the critiques kind of either way that people kind of get led astray on maybe is that like they think, oh, uh, I'm not voting because it doesn't feel like I have an impact and maybe there's some other like anarchist system or something where I would feel like that. And I'm like, no, I mean, even if like you've had to pick a place to go to eat with 10 people or something, you're, you know, you kind of pretty quickly, you kind of realize how much you have to compromise and, you know, <laughs> decide on, you know. Like yeah, a, you're right. It's, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's not going to be something where, you know, if you're trying to decide all of production and consumption in a country, you're going to have to have some sort of decentralization or something. So, yeah. yeah. And in some way it's like, let the people who actually control that stuff make those decisions, I guess. Like if, if, if those are the people who control it, well, I mean, let them make the decisions. I don't know. What does that have to do with me? I'm just here trying to, you know, make a living and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. This has nothing to do with me. You guys yeah. set up the economy. I'm just here to, mess around in it i guess <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had this yeah. like image pop into my head while you were talking of like a family guy style cartoon and it's us like in ancient mesopotamia and people are like lined up bringing their like sheep and stuff to some sacrificial altar and whatever and we're just like talking about this is stupid no one's gonna what are you doing this <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, although i mean i think there probably are better models in terms of like uh, you know, each sort of interest group or community being able to have big representative organizations like labor federations or something where, you know, then they can kind of clash together in giant blocks kind of thing, you know, and then instead of like having to pick which extremely rich, angry person that you want, you could just be like, you know, I mean, like there has to be some sort of flow upwards from interest groups or, or uh, power blocks and stuff where, uh, it's, you know, negotiations between, you know, relatively normal people, maybe, I don't know, but like, that's not something you can just kind of wish into existence. You can't just go, that's how it should work. Therefore, you know, I don't know, like someone, sure, yeah. I guess, I mean, yeah, it, you it can't, really depends yeah. how much you are invested in that. Cause that's such a sure. big thing to move. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do is to get involved in some sort of you know get things moving on some level because you can't just sit around and wait i guess but well i i don't even mean like this around and wait just in terms of like ideally it would be good if say instead of uh these you know personalities competing out in you know trying to be like i'm the best because i'm you know like elizabeth warren being like i'm a genius or like uh, Bernie Sanders being like, I'm like a tough fighter for you or whatever. Yeah. It'd or be Biden better being if... like, you're not black. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, it'd be good if there was just like, you know, uh, negotiations between people that actually, you know what I mean? Like, like that you're like your, your work somewhere, then it, therefore you pay a lot of dues into your union or something. Then the union represents you effectively 
And they're like, you know, so they're like, oh, we have to pick someone for president who's going to actually listen to the unions because they're so powerful. I think like that kind of makes more sense in theory, at least, you know. But yeah, you have to have like all the steps that lead into that, including all the organizing that happens to get there. It's not like, uh, I don't know. It's just it, right now. I mean, it just it's just it just sucks. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's no there's no like uh, all it is really. I mean, the only choice you really do have right now is like whether or not you prefer Biden or Trump. And they, they very carefully make sure that that's the framing, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. So anyways, I, I don't, can you imagine though, know. like if the U S system was actually transparent and it, like we could just see the actual decision-making and stuff like the actual parties involved in things like black ops, mercenary groups debating around with like the data people you know the big tech data folks and they're kind of like we want this policy and then they they kind of like well it's going to cut into our thing so you got to give us this or whatever and just like kind of moderating and and supervising it all is like this apac lobby or they're just yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. they have a veto power over everything and <laughs> yeah, the mafia yeah. is sitting there kind of like you know make sure you cut us in or it's going to be problems yeah that would be kind of fun, at least. I, I guess that's what tr- like Trump's whole appeal is. It brings a little bit of that flavor to things. Yeah, it's it's like a mafia sit down presidency or something. So yeah, yeah. But the that's one of the sort of dangers of the whole Biden thing is that his whole kind of message is, can we at least pretend it's like in the books kind of thing? You know, like that's his whole kind of his whole selling thing is. Yeah, you know, can we we you know well that's at least like let's at least pretend there's a constitution and all that stuff that you read about in 10th grade or whatever, you know, like that's kind of his appeal, you know, that might not necessarily be, uh, it, it might be better in some ways to just keep going down the road of, uh, getting rid of all of those illusions. But I don't know. I don't know. There is some risk in that, but yeah. I don't know. Right. Cause like at some level, those illusions do have like a function in, in maintaining cohesion yeah. in the society. And that is, that is a real thing. Yeah, it's yeah. funny, you know, you mentioned that that's sort of one of the arguments that the the Biden person uh, had brought up to me was about voting was like, well, I you know, even even if it is kind of meaningless, I'd rather vote than not just so I don't feel powerless cuz you know, like my family came from communist country and and you know, they there they really had no power and I was like if if I'm just a serf that's fine. I get you know, and even even if I, you know, the whole playing the game doesn't change that. Like it doesn't. I don't know. I'm fine with it. Whether it doesn't like affect my life to pretend. You know what I mean? I don't. I just don't understand uh, the willful kind of like buying into it just because it's like I'd rather not feel powerless. Well, you are though. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, don't, I just don't get that. I, I don't know. I kind of have moved a little bit towards that direction though in the last few years, just because looking at how bad things are in the United States, I kind of look at Canada and go, thank God we have at least some minimum, you know, stuff. Like we've got our healthcare system is better in a lot of ways. Like I can't imagine uh, getting sick right now and not being able to just go to the doctor without thinking about the price and stuff like that. Like just mm-hmm. and a lot of things like that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking of it in that mayor of Canada way that we talk about sometimes, you know, like that. Yeah. That like it's, you know, the NDP here is like a, you know, we've got like a social democratic party, which is not good. I mean, like whenever it gets into power, it doesn't do much. Um, 
and uh, in at the provincial level, and like it's never really been in power. The federal level just does, you know, things at the edges basically. But uh, it's so much better at least having them there, kind of thing, than in the states. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just nice to be able to like a lot of the time they'll do dumb stuff about small businesses and how we have to you know balance the budget or whatever. You know, they like they're they're wrong a lot of the time. But the fact that sometimes they're there and saying stuff like, you know, privatization is bad or something, you know, uh, you know, it, it's the same thing for like, uh, with Bernie and Corbin and all that kind of stuff where it's like, it's so much nicer just hearing someone on television sound somewhat reasonable sometimes. I mean, that's a pretty low bar and it's not going to get you that far, but I don't know. It makes me feel a bit more sane at least than I did for before that when it's like, terrible things happening all the time and then you're like the people who are supposed to be on your side just don't even sound reasonable or something so yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah I, I can understand that i just feel like on some level all of this is like none of my business somehow it yeah, feels yeah. like kind of like a busy body kind of thing like i'm getting involved in some rich family next door or something it's like let yeah. them sort out their own problems it has nothing to do with me if i just ignore all this it goes away life goes on yeah. i don't know so um, I mean, in my like teen years and then early twenties and stuff, I felt like the opposite. I felt like I'm going to go to Ottawa and I'm going to learn, you know, how to do politics and then I'll become like a policy guy and, you know, do that for years and in, in conservative and then liberal kind of stuff, you know, like I thought, uh, you know, I thought I was like the roller backpack kid on that kind of stuff, sort of, you know, and then <laughs> once that kind of like exploded and <laughs> like in, in a lot of different ways where I was like, Oh, I don't want that kind of thing. You know, I had the opposite urge now where I'm like, I, I feel like I can like criticize things and kind of say what I think is good and maybe like chip in a bit here and there for different organizations or whatever. But like the idea of taking like a leadership role in that is just horrifying to me now. Like, just like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, uh, it's, it's like the same thing about getting a big job at like a big corporation or something where it's like, yeah, they'll always get more out of you than you get out of them kind of thing, you know? And like, mm -hmm. they'll always like be able to use you for evil than, I don't know. I also think that about like when I'm reading about like spy stuff or like intelligence stuff, it's like, uh, that war games movie member where like the, they're, yeah, they're, the, uh, the only way to win is not to play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You just get sucked up in this dumb stuff that goes on. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, uh, I don't know. Just imagine like, imagine being like a billionaire and then still feeling compelled to get involved in this stuff. Like what kind of mental sickness is, what's wrong with you? Go enjoy your money. You know I what always, I mean? Yeah. I always think that whenever people are talking about like grifts or heists or something like that, like where they're like, people always have this thing where they're, they steal like a few million dollars from this thing and then they just keep doing it. I'm like, if I got like three or $4 million, I would just, I'd be like, that's it. That's I'm done. You know, like I wouldn't be like, I'd like to think so. Keep, yeah. Same here. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, I think that most of the best criminals in history probably just never were heard of. Or mm -hmm. it was like one of those things where like 10 years after they died, some accountant was like, Oh, look at that. And we got, we got ripped <laughs> off for $40 million. And that guy moved to, the Bahamas and that just lived out the rest of his life. And <laughs> hey, boss, you know that vault <laughs> yeah. that we never go into? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Was there anything that was supposed to be in that vault? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
I, I sometimes I think that for like intelligence stuff too, that like there must be, or like bureaucracies, there must be like whole bureaucracies that just like kill time kind of thing, you know, mm. like just, just set up like whole sham operations and then just, uh, live out their days kind of thing. Not like, uh, I don't know, but I guess the whole thing is like trying to be in the mix of it and trying to manipulate people and try to, I don't know. It's the same thing for like the super rich in terms of like, like abuse or stuff like that too. You're kind of like, well, if you had all this stuff, why would you risk it by raping someone or something like that kind of stuff, you know, like, and then, so I guess it's just not a rational thing, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess for those types of people, they want to feel fulfilled just like anyone else and money alone doesn't really get that. But at the same time you are like, you have to be invested in your wealth and stuff. Like, I think it's just such a huge, like temptation for lack of a better word. Like it, it sort of defines who you are to such a large extent that it's like, you kind of have to be the rich guy. You have to be the powerful person. And then you kind of just, you know, you find ways to make that real for yourself. And a lot when, when there's no limits on your behavior, you can just buy your way out of anything and you can get anything you want just by paying for it. You know, I think, uh, yeah, you, you end up doing some pretty nasty stuff. It's, it's really hard to, uh, just put yourself in the shoes of someone like that, you know, cause it, you know, I agree with everything you're saying. Like it makes a lot more sense to just do one big hit and get out and enjoy yourself. But you know, when you're in that position, like maybe, maybe doing that thing made you feel more alive than anything else. And you, sure. and then, you know, you going back to just kind of like trying to lay low and, and just kind of like stay away from trouble and stuff. Maybe that just really sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we should be honest that most of the, what I'm saying here, I'm probably gathering from like fast and furious, furious movies or something, you know, <laughs> sure. I'm like, you know, people do need one last heist or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, um, yeah, that, that was something, uh, you know, something related that I thought we could talk about a bit is like this whole, it's, it, it's not just the vote thing. There's also this kind of impulse of, you must have a complete political identity kind of thing. Oh, it doesn't yeah. have rough edges. Yeah. It's not just that, it's not just that you're, you know, you're voting one way or doing one thing or, or not voting, you know, cause there is that kind of other counter thing of like militantly not voting kind of thing or something, you know, but you know, there's that whole thing of, you know, you have to have like a list of almost like 2000 factors or like ideas or something. And you have to have strong opinions on all of them. And, uh, you can't sympathize with other people who lay outside of that and you can't think, well, maybe they are, they're right about this and wrong about that or whatever, you know? So, yeah. In the future, we're all going to need to have like a fully laid out political platform for us as an individual. And it has to be all delivered in like a TikTok dance video. Like we're doing those goofy little dances and when little captions pop up with, I believe in this and this and this. Yeah. Yeah, I had some tweet like that too, where I was saying that like, you know, you'd have like you wake up in the morning and you're like asking for your sustenance or something from your like computer in your wall. They'd be like, do you believe that everyone deserves healthcare or something like that? And be like, yes, I do. And they're like, your food pellet has been prepared or something, you know, like just, it's funny now. I I noticed it a lot in some ways with the coverage of the Amy Coney Barrett stuff for the Supreme Court, which wasn't. That I mean, that was just very boring because she just like some random dunce kind of person. But like, it was funny seeing a lot of the coverage where anything that was like a little bit 
off in any way kind of people just like flipped out about like totally out of proportion kind of thing like yeah like people are people are saying stuff like i don't know like she had like a notepad right and there there was like a whole day of notepad discourse and they were like <laughs> you know like uh, they were like oh she didn't write anything on it because she doesn't take it seriously because she hates the process or something and it's like i don't know like like is that really what you care about like i don't know and then she said stuff like that. They asked her about climate change and, um, you know, which again, I, I get, I get that it's such a, it, it is an absurd position, both directions, because it's like one judge should probably not be what's standing in the way between us and change, you know, changing things to fit global warming or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. but it's partly her fault in some ways that that's the case kind of thing. I mean, like, but not like not enough that it's just, it's just a bad situation all around. But anyways, and she said that she, she like said, well, I don't know, you know, she would, she basically wouldn't say, uh, that it was man caused or whatever, you know, human anthropogenic, whatever, because she just said she didn't know because she's not, it's like beyond her knowledge or something like that, which is funny because saying that is like a signal in, in reality is like a signal to say that she's good enough on conservative stuff, right? Like. It, it 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 is like any any reasonable person can look at it and say she's saying that because she wants to accept the fact that there might be doubt about climate change or whatever so that she can sure rule in certain ways that's fine i understand that i agree with that on the the basic liberal angle on that but at the same time it's like it's it's like you have to kind of do you know what i mean like it's this bizarre situation where it's like she refused to endorse particular scientific consensus on something therefore uh she's incompetent and can't be a judge or something it's like i feel like it's if it's gotten to that point it's just a bizarre debate like it's just it's a very strange um thing and there was a bunch of examples like that where she kind of gave a an answer that and people had to be like trying to make it like oh she she's incompetent or unqualified because and it was just because she had a different opinion or something and wasn't really probably well thought out because it's like, you know, right wing kind of nonsense or something. That's fine. But it's like uh, the amount of anger that it generates and the amount of like, uh, it's 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 funny because it's not just this is the last election in history kind of mentality. It's like this is the last uh, anything that happens in politics is like the most ultimate thing now or something, right? So, yeah. and it's like, it's just, I don't know. I don't even think it's true for a lot of this stuff for the Supreme Court where uh, I think if there were a consensus in a lot of different ways that they would be able to protect it, whatever it is, whatever issue. It's just that it's not just that the Supreme Court, it's just that so many other parts of the government are broken too or something. So I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I don't really know what's at stake. And yeah. I, I really doubt that it's anything. Like, I don't think Roe v. Wade's going to get overturned. I don't think the Supreme Court has much to do with climate change policies. I don't, See, I, I don't really know. It's funny because it, it can. It can do a lot of damage in a lot of ways, but it's more one of those things where other parts of the government blame it for it kind of thing. Because it, it can also do right. things like, you know, it also, the courts also uh, ultimately helped legalize gay marriage and stuff. So there there are already it's not it's not like uh all the way down the line 
that it, it has to go some direction or whatever. It's it's frustrating because uh, that it's the same kind of mentality a lot of the time where it's like uh, it, it generates all the instant takes kind of thing where people have very, very strong positions on all of a sudden like judicial review, like whether or not judges can strike down laws and all that kind of stuff immediately becomes like the most extreme. And it's like a polarization thing that's happening. I don't know. Matt Brunig and, and Liz Brunig talk about that a lot. And I, I find that really helpful of, the, of this whole like polarization stuff that happens online now where, you know, people will have a particular perspective and, you know, the, on Twitter and things like that, the, it's the punchiest, um, most flippant, most uh, direct perspective that wins out a lot of the time in terms of debates, even though that's not true in real life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that's true for identity as well, where, you know, for political identity, it's very, very common for people to just kind of settle into things like it's very, very hard for them to settle into like more vanilla mainstream kind of personalities. It's it's almost always something that's like, oh, I'm not like, uh, I'm not just Catholic. I'm some strange, like, uh, I don't think the Pope is real and all that kind of stuff, you know, like. Right. Some kind of and, ist uh, or ism. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I, there's sometimes that I think about like uh, saying that like I just don't want to talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, I like on the podcast to be able to talk about it, but there's some things where I'm just like now where I just feel like, like how do I counter that in my own self? Like how do I carefully sort of watch for myself not, you know, because that was something I did obviously for years. You know, I went very, very far in that direction in terms of being as flippant and as rude and as, direct as possible and that's fun but it's mm -hmm. like how do you kind of you know how do you how do you say what you actually think is true instead of what you think sounds funny or flippant or whatever so yeah i think that's part of it yeah i mean i think i think there's a lot going on there i think you know this can be politics it can be religious identity it can be like all kinds of different things it can be like your sexual identity um, a lot of times i think people find like you can't be just like the default you can't just be like I, I don't know i'm just like you have to define yourself somehow for some reason like there's yeah. like this impulse to be like i'm i'm not just a normal person i'm i'm this because being a normal person is like a non-existence or something so yeah. you have to like define yourself as some sort of like thing that stands out from that so like people start looking things up they find out this like little political group in Italy in the seventies or, or you know what I mean? Like they find some yeah. little thing that kind of like, Oh yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. I'm that. And yeah. you know, it has nothing to do with like what's going on in their life. You know, it's like something they, they read on Wikipedia and then mm -hmm. uh, on the internet that can become like your whole thing. You can just talk yeah. about that all day. You can know all the ins and outs. You can come up with all these arguments against this other little group. You learn about them and why you hate them. And yeah. you know, you kind of like plug into this whole history that really has nothing to do with you and yeah. Uh, yeah like i said that can go for like religious stuff you know and that's even stranger because that goes back like thousands of years or whatever sure, you know sure. yeah um, and that was probably always the case in some to some extent in terms of uh you know people looking to reform things or looking to create new things where there is that sort of tendency to try to draw in the past in very eccentric kind of ways Right. I mean, but, that's what yeah, the Renaissance yeah. was basically. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? It's uh, lessons. Our friend Alex, he posted something 
on uh, Twitter recently that I thought was really, really good. Um, it's from this guy, Alvin Goldner, uh, that he really likes to reference. I think he's like a Marxist, some kind of somewhat eccentric sort of guy, I guess. I don't know. I haven't read any of his stuff, but uh, Alex really likes him. But mm-hmm. he, he posted this quote and it says, in this negative dialectic, eternal repetition creates the illusion of development. There is an eternal youth killing an eternal old king who is eternally reborn and killed once again. In this negative dialectic, the youthful slayer never grows up, never grows old and ugly, never needs to be killed in his turn. This is the negative dialectic for those Peter Pans who never grow up but merely age. This negative dialectic is a Nietzschean fantasy unenlightened by Freud. It regresses to a pre-Hegelian romanticism of infinite yearning. It is lacking, therefore, in a transcendence of youth, for it has no vision of wisdom. It has little talent for existence in the present. Slyly hiding its pleasures, it embroiders them as dutiful rebellion. So I I don't know. I kind of felt like that sort of captures the whole thing going on with like the you got to vote kind of thing. You got to pick a side. You got to pick some little identity. You know, you can't just do your thing. Um, and it, it also sort of reminds me of some of the stuff we were talking about on a recent Patreon episode about like the usefulness of religious tradition or just like tradition in general. Um, I was talking to tabs about this, about how like tradition isn't really like this. It's not like some canned preserved thing that just like stays in stasis forever. And everyone just kind of copies it exactly and precisely. And, and that the main thing is just to keep it exactly as it was or something. But I mean, it's important to maintain things over time, but, uh, you know, tradition is like constantly reproduced in the moment. Yeah. It's just by virtue of you living in a certain time and place in certain circumstances, you have to like, you necessarily are adapting it to those circumstances. So I don't know. I feel like there, because we don't have any sort of like established tradition in, in that sense anymore, these sorts of things take their place. Like the idea of like a civic tradition of voting kind of takes that place. And if you don't do it, it's like, you're some kind of like heathen who refuses to sacrifice the lamb at the altar or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same thing. Like with the identity, you have to like decide who you are by finding a label, you know, like you, you can't just sort of like do your thing and, and let that define you. It sort of has to be like, my position on this is this and my position on that is that. And then my enemies are this and my friends are those. And you know, it's just a really bizarre, it's like, it's so abstracted from a real life thing that I, I I don't know. I I feel like that plays some sort of function in things. It kind of like puts it into the whole, it's like a theater production, you know, it's like, it's so detached from your life. And, uh, I think that's the whole point of it. Like to go back to the the Biden supporter person who I was talking about, they they were really adamant about the idea of just voting because otherwise you're just giving in to the reality that you are powerless or something. But again, I mean, I if if you're powerless, you're powerless. You like doing a little kind of like ritual thing doesn't change that. So I I don't know. I feel I feel like all this kind of stuff is the same thing. Like if you're just some person living a certain way whether you call yourself a you know an istanism and all that kind of thing like that doesn't change what you're what you actually are you know yeah yeah i sort of noticed this with the whole tradition thing i sort of noticed this originally with the sort of marxist stuff in terms of 
I, I found that people were having the same debates over and over again that I felt like had already been settled kind of in some ways. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They, they were kind of coming to things that had already been. And that's one of the things that really, maybe it's just like, a, you know, getting angry at illogic or something. I don't know if that's even healthy, but people would say things that, you know, they might say like defend the Soviet Union or criticize it, whatever. It doesn't matter either direction, but um, they would they would say things in a way that was inconsistent with their own tradition or something. Like they would say things that uh, somehow didn't really, like it, it didn't line up in my mind. Like they, they would say something that, or they would believe something about history that would be considered taboo or like uh, offensive to people that actually were there or like supported that position at the time or something, right? So that was sort of the first thing on that. And then also sort of like a lot of the debates around the language and um, definitions and stuff where it didn't hold together as a, as a whole, you know, like it didn't, didn't have a unity to it. Uh, I thought that like, you know, parts of Marxism did have a sort of very intricate unity, but it was one of those things where I just saw, it, I felt like I saw errors all the time that I just, you know, the way, the thing that was interesting about that was that I could see how the sort of network effects, like all the people talking about it online would teach each other the same errors. Yeah. And then those errors would become dogma. And then those sort of flowed into, you know, and, and we kind of were saying about like how it's like Wikipedia definitions a lot of the time, stuff like that. And I think that's very true for things like it, it. It's, it's stuff that is very, very true when you don't have any of that background in history or, or just tradition in general or something where, so the one that always used to bother me the most was uh, um, social democracy and democratic socialism. And the Wikipedia Politics 101 definition is social democracy is, it's a formerly socialist kind of thing, like it might have been attached to it in the past, but it isn't anymore. And what it is, is it's you keep capitalism, but you make it more fair or something like that. And then democratic socialism is you get rid of capitalism, but you maybe have markets or something, or, you know, it, it, it's, it's somehow it's, it's socialism plus democracy, but mm -hmm. the other one is capitalism plus more democratic. And it's like, you know, so anyways, that's just the basic one-on-one -on -one definition. The problem is that like, uh, if you went to say France or something like that, I mean, in France, they do have this kind of, uh, you know, like, I'm not saying that's like wrong as like a basic kind of thing that you can say, because that's how words work. Like if they change their definition or whatever, that's just how it happens, whatever, right? But like uh, the interesting thing to me is that people would kind of like become bullies about it in a way where they would say like, oh, you know, you're talking about social democracy, not democratic socialism, or you're talking about democratic socialism, not social democracy, stuff like that. In other languages, in other places, most of the world up until maybe the 80s, 90s or something, that definition just wouldn't make sense at all. Just people you know, that kind of like arguing about it wouldn't make sense. Like, uh, I think it was like 1994 or so when, uh, Blair changed the definition of like a part, like the party membership for the labor party. Um, and he changed it to say that we're a democratic socialist party. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, in France, the socialist party is the largest social democratic party. So obviously, and in all of its documents and everything, it'll say we're democratic socialists and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, all of these parties, 
uh, you know, in Europe in general, uh, you would say, you know, if you say I vote socialist or something like that, a lot of the time what you're saying is I'd vote for social democratic or whatever. It just, it's just so very basic that that's true and that democratic socialism, even as a thing, you've emerged as a way of identifying that you were a social democrat and stuff. It's just, it's funny because that, it, it, it seems like a sidetrack there. Like it seems like it goes off, but on a thing, but the, the importance of it is that like, uh, it's substituting these new definitions and these Wikipedia and, uh, very narrow kind of definitions to create these, uh, subcultures basically where, yeah, exactly. you know, and just even just, you know, to kind of cap that thought is that, uh, within the Marxist tradition, those two things were identical from the perspective of critique like you know when marx i mean when lenin is denouncing reformists and all this kind of stuff he's talking about people who were labor party supporters or something like that who called themselves socialists and were like we want a planned economy and all that kind of stuff right like they weren't like uh these things were much murkier and also much more like uh you know, there was there's a lot more to the debates than just uh, what these kind of snappy Wikipedia infographic kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and the Lenin example is perfect because he's talking about like specific people and specific groups with specific interests in a specific time and place, right? And yeah. that's the way politics really does work. It's like there are groups that, you know, they do have like interests that are – like they represent certain classes and stuff, but it's not like they just say we represent the working class and then that's it. Like there's like actual like relationships built in there that are, there's some sort of like, I don't know, they help each other out in some kind of like actual real way. It's not just like we believe in this or that thing, you know? Yeah. And that's how a lot of this stuff works. And, and it, it, a lot of times you need to know all the ins and outs of those relationships among all the different groups and stuff to really get a picture of what's going on and you know, where you, you think you should contribute or, or not or whatever. Sure. Um, and, and when you just kind of abstract this to the level of just like a certain tagline of dogma or whatever, or you kind of like just, it's like these brands are just like playing themselves out in some kind of cosmic battle that is, is like in, up in the heavens and it's not, you know, actual like conflicts between people on the ground and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where it's just, it's just meaningless. Like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. I think there's like a step that happens after that though, where there's like something I would call maybe like the grad student left or something like that, or like <laughs> radical left where like, if you read even a little bit about uh, European history, you start to see that like the people who were leading socialist parties or like, you know, democratic socialist sort of reformist parties, a lot of these places, they were, they were the kind of people who would be like Hillary Clinton's or something or Bill Clinton's or something like right, that, other yeah. places kind of thing. Like they're not they're all psychos. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily all of them. I just mean that like they, uh, it's, it's that like, you know, there is that sort of thing where people think that, or even just, uh, or communist parties or whatever, you know, within that own, their own society, they were thought of maybe as like stodgy old people or like opportunists and stuff. And it's interesting because it's like, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that like personality 
and self-positioning and stuff plays a huge role in politics, but that, uh, not necessarily in a positive way. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, that's just like an unfortunate reality. Like people have this, you know, very, very complex sort of like simplistic Marxist view sometimes where it's like, oh, well, that kind of person is radical because of this or that because of their background or something. And, uh, in a way that it's like a one-to-one -one correspondence that is not really how it works. Like there's people always trying to betray someone or, you know, we would never say that about like uh, American politics now or something, right? Like we would, we would always go, okay, that person is the kind of person who does this or that or whatever, you know, like, I don't know. I think that that's a big thing where personality and positioning and labeling and what can I get out of it? What can I you know, get for free out of it too. Instead of, you know, just, I could be positioned as radical, even though I'm not or whatever, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's a hard like a uh, problem because, uh, I, I saw some guy the other day saying that like, you know, Marxism has problems, but if you abandon it, you're just, uh, sort of adrift. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you are just adrift. I don't know. Like, you know, like it's not, <laughs> right. doesn't mean that like, uh, you know, it just might not be satisfying, but it might be true. I don't know. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And just to bring it full circle, I mean, this is why I really, I, I just can't get motivated to care about this because if like I actually was trying to make real decisions about this, it, I have to get into all this mucky kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, there's nothing in this for me. So I don't know. It's fun to like talk about this kind of stuff and like just sort of look at it from a somewhat, I don't know if academic is the right word, but you know, just like in a, like a hobbyist kind of way, just looking at it yeah. just for the fun of it. You know what I mean? But like to actually get invested in all these different things. Sure. I'd like things to go a certain way, but I'm not going to get involved with all these crazy people. I don't know. I, I feel maybe a bit different in that. Like I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in a position where I can't just say what I'm thinking, you know, like I wouldn't want to yeah. be in a position where I had to be like, you know, like I wouldn't want to be on a party committee or something like that kind of stuff or left wing stuff or like I want, it's, it's not that I don't want to be accountable. It's just that I don't, I want to be accountable more so kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I want to be not accountable to other people's ideas as much as just being able to change being able to say what I think exactly, not worried about that, you know, not worried about fitting in or not. But I do think that like, it's important for me to find ways to just, just to be able to like be mentally healthy with it. And I think, you know, like actually to find ways to sort of contribute in small ways, you know, it's just getting the ideas out of my head in some respects kind of thing, like finding ways to just to stay sane and stuff. And, and the podcast helps with that because I can kind of, you know, work through ideas and stuff. And that's true. And then, but I do think that like, you know, and I enjoy writing stuff about it too, just because, I don't know, it just helps to clarify things and stuff. And that's something I want to do more in the future is like actually like, instead of, I, I, like I really enjoy being able to, you know, talk extemp, extemp talk extemporaneously, I don't know, anyways, but uh, <laughs> about uh, such things. But, you know, it'd be good to also just try to build some rigor into you know, writing out like detailed ideas that I think or something. I don't know. So, yeah. Well, that's what the Pizzagate is real episodes are for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right though. I think that's kind of 
good way to go about it. Uh, when you were talking about the how it kind of builds these subcultures, this kind of behavior, I think, uh, you know, that's not necessarily like a bad thing, the idea of like building some sort of culture and contributing to that. Yeah. I, I think that that's sort of like a necessary precondition to like having like a real movement of, that's any, uh, you know, positive in any kind of ways to have like a just like a generalized sort of understanding of like what the vision is, what the goal really is. So that all this sort of like little labels and and for lack of a better term, identity politics doesn't kind of mess things up. So that people kind of are like, okay, well this guy seems to be on the the right kind of, you know, he's got the right idea. I I don't really know a social Democrat, democratic socialist, whatever, you know, he's he's obviously on our team because, you know, he kind of gets it. I think that's so much more important than like defining the little nitty gritty details and like kind of picking fights with people yeah. over like specific things when no nobody has any control over anything. There's nothing at stake. It's so bizarre. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Should we do some questions? Sure. Okay. So someone asks from the curious Scott, um, in the coming United States race wars, where does Islam stand? Uh, that's tricky. That's kind of a little fight that's been going on within the community. So, uh, like when Black Lives Matter was a big, you know, people were looting like crazy and all that kind of stuff. There was a big debate about, you know, was looting right or wrong? So there, there's sort of been like a left-right divide that it very much mirrors the liberal conservative culture war like that generally kind of exists in the United States. And uh, so there were people on the left that were saying like, oh, you know, this is, it's, it's okay. It's fine. You know, it's not obviously like the best thing to be doing, but, you know, given the circumstances, you can't really blame these people and, you know, they're poor and and they need things and all that kind of stuff. And people on the right were sort of saying like, well, you ruined someone's livelihood. You destroyed their store. You destroying property. This isn't right. You know, this is against the Sharia and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you tended to see was that it's not explicitly like a racial divide, but you tended to see people who were like a Daisy background, uh, like South Asian background, mm-hmm. um, an Arab background tended to be on the right wing side of things. Um, and then black people and, and then like a lot of just like left kind of like people of college of the various diaspora like most yeah. backgrounds were you know on that left side and uh yeah so i don't think you're if there was some sort of like race war in the united states that you would necessarily see some kind of like united muslim community i think things would break down much more along like class and, and that kind of like culture war thing than it would um just like oh we're all muslims we need to stand together i i don't think there's that kind of feeling yeah which is unfortunate yeah I guess it would depend on whether or not uh, the sort of uh, white um, national stuff was explicitly like Islam genocidal or not or something. Right. And that's where I step in. I, I un- yeah. unite the white nationalists with the Muslims and sure. ride that to victory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess because that was, I think that as an outsider, I would think that they would uh, side with uh, black people almost immediately because there's just like that overlap of black Americans and Islam. But um, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense that 
it's much, much more tricky than that. So yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Like there's a, even like in many places in the country, the mosques that people go to are different. Like you go to one mosque and it's obviously a black mosque. You go to another one and it's obviously Arab or, or whatever. Like the kind of like immigrant community is, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they just look at things differently. They have a different sort of history with Islam, uh, a different sense of legitimacy, like what what constitutes like legitimate leadership. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's you know, it's not as clean cut as that. Like there's also like a Salafi presence in black communities where they uh, put much more emphasis on like, oh, he went to Medina. He studied at Medina. So he's got the legitimacy to teach us about stuff over like local Americans. And then there's people who um, – you know, who are even American or even converts or whatever. And, uh, and, and, you know, they kind of teach a more like traditional kind of thing. And, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's complicated, but it's definitely not like unified is the, the main thing. I think things are probably getting better than they have been in over the decades, but it's kind of like a slow process and, uh, it's definitely not like an ideal situation right now. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I like about the mosque that I, I go to is that there is like a big mix of people. Chicago in general seems to be pretty good about this. There's a significant Muslim population here and uh, you kind of get you get people who are very much like on one side of things and very much on the other. Uh, but they do they can kind of come together and, and you, know, you know, like they do outreach and, and like uh, volunteering stuff. And there's there's no like conflict over ideology or political views or anything like that when it comes to those kinds of things like i think that as far as far as thing these types of things go i think chicago is pretty good yeah that's cool um so okay so the next question is hey donald weren't you a libertarian once if nowadays there is anything consistent about you it is that your economic beliefs are really the opposite of that can you talk about the details of that change and how exactly do you feel about libertarian economics nowadays? I'm one of your Brazilian listeners, and even though the libertarian movement seems to have lost momentum in North America, it's thrived in the last four years in Brazil, with Bolsonaro uh, even spewing some of their talking points, albeit with his very, very, very limited rhetorical capacity. <laughs> um, so Leo mentioned this on the last episode that we did do on the premium and uh so i thought it'd be good to maybe just talk about this for a minute and um yeah i mean the basic thing for the libertarian economic stuff is that the actual like far right libertarian economic stuff i think is just like straightforward mostly kind of junk it's almost like a lot of it is taking very mainstream arguments about economics and then making them seem like they're somehow magically definitive or something and making them sound like like no no liberal economics phd person would be like institutions don't really matter it's just you just have to like create markets whatever and then everything will work out like we're kind of past that point i think in the last 20 years or so but you know you get it's just it's just like anything else online you get like or like in the world where it's a lot of it is like you know big money supporting it just crackpot ideas and stuff um but um i it's funny though because i don't even know if it has gone away really in north america i think it's gone out of our i said this before but i think it's kind of gone out of our circles it's more people that are like maybe on facebook or something or or just not online because 
if you look at the polls, um, I think that the, the libertarian candidate for president might get like a few percent of the vote. And um, that's not like nothing. That's like millions of people or something, right? Like that's like, yeah, yeah. And uh, enough that they're going to go that far with it, right? So I mean, it's, it's more a than lot, a socialist yeah. candidate gets, right? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, uh, they got to be out there somewhere, but um, I think a lot of them are probably part of subcultures that you just don't see reflected in a lot of the debates. I mean, they got to be people that are also not Trump supporters, right? Or like actively Trump supporters. So uh, that's like kind of a interesting, strange thing, right? Like where we think of like the standard kind of online narrative now is that all of those libertarian people became Trump supporters, basically. And uh, I don't know if that's true. I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who have these kind of strange ideas about like the Federal Reserve is a dictatorship and all that kind of stuff, you know, like that is not really, it's, it's sort of like, you know, the opposite of what Trump believes in some ways kind of thing. I mean, the, the thing about libertarians that a lot of people, especially on the left, don't like to really acknowledge is that you probably agree with them on about a, a good number of things. Like a yeah. lot of them are opposed to like the police and the prison system and the wars and the military. And, you know, a lot of them are really against that kind of stuff. Yeah. And those are the people who would not be supporting Trump, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, there's this one podcast I've been listening to lately and I have no idea why I enjoy this, but for some reason I do like listening to it. Uh, it, it and it is, it's hosted by a libertarian guy. He, he's a stand-up comedian, uh, but yeah. he, he does like, ha- he has an explicitly like, I'm a libertarian, like an, he refers to himself as like an anarchist and he, he, it's pretty much just straight political kind of like, what's the thing of the week to talk about. And it veers very close to just being like, you know, it's, it's anti-Trump, but like, it's sort of basically like he says all the things you would expect a pro-Trump kind of guy to say, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think one of the things I like about what he does there is that he put, sort of has his ideology and he has like his perfect utopian solution to everything, but he just kind of sets that aside as like, well, that's not going to happen. Like, we're not going to have like anarchist utopia. So like, there's no point in even discussing that if it, as if it's a reality or whatever. And, uh, I think those are the kinds of people maybe that would fit into this like voting for a libertarian candidate kind of thing. It's just like they just really believe in that idea and they really like it and and all the way down the line, right? Like all the way through. Like they they truly believe in like there's a problem with like police coming and like doing all this stuff and they see Black Lives Matter or whatever protesting against that and they don't like them. But that doesn't mean that changes their opinion about like the police and the military and whatnot. So it's a, uh, I don't know, things are complicated. You know, it's not as easy as just like dividing things into by one line. You know, that's not really how things work. Yeah. I think for me, what it was like when I was young, like when I was like 16 or so, I had sort of like DSA kind of beliefs kind of thing. I was like a young socialist kind of guy. And then I, I, I did read like a lot of the big libertarian stuff. Um, like Ayn Rand and all that. And uh, it was interesting to me because of how like it was so simplistic kind of thing that it seemed really like efficient kind of thing mm-hmm. um, where it was like, oh, you know, this this idea, um, you know, all the different property rights and all that kind of stuff. It was so efficiently laid out that I was like, oh, that's interesting. 
And it was more because I just had no experience with like actual political philosophy or anything. So it, it, it was like, this is very, very strongly stated and blunt and direct. So therefore it, it seemed like something I had to like reckon with. But the, the, the big thing I think is that people miss is that it's because a lot of the time socialism is just, it's, it's ruled out in your mind because of other things or something, right? Like, so you might read about like your, if you start to read a little bit about history in your teens and stuff, most of the time, maybe now it's different, but at the time you would read about like, you know, Stalin's dictatorship and all this kind of stuff. And you kind of go, okay, well, if that's socialism, I can't be a socialist. But, right. But, you know, as you said, you see things in the world and you're like, man, the military's crazy. Uh, we waste all this money on it. Oh, look at how bad the drug war is, especially mm -hmm. at that time. Like it was a big topic back then, but like, right. Um, yeah, that's a big one for libertarians. And, uh, it, so you just think to yourself, well, if we just did less of all of these things, that might be enough to help solve a lot of these social problems. Now that, I mean, part of that is obviously personal ex inexperience with those kind of problems or whatever, right? Like do you, you can have a simplistic solution to a lot of things just because you don't know what it's actually like or whatever. I think that's true for social pro like poverty and stuff, right? Like you just kind of, yeah, go I mean, you know? that's probably true of 90% of people's yeah. political opinions sure. about anything, right? Like yeah, you don't have, sure. you can only have that much life experience. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so I think that that's why, um, I think it is, it is very, very powerful in terms of, uh, I don't know. I do think of it now almost like as a virus or something. I guess Samir Amin had that like book called the liberal virus or something. And, <laughs> um, I, I almost think of it that way sometimes now where it's like, it can sort of praise on the faults and the problems with socialism or something is, 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 or like, you know, like, uh, it offers very, very sort of simple rebuttals to that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, I it's like, uh, as you said, like there's lots of things you can kind of just talk with people about, that have those kind of views still or whatever, like you can, you know what I mean? Like there's lots of common ground you can find on different things and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I think that right now the conflation with, of libertarians and the entire right with the sort of online bully far right, um, is not true. I don't think that's, you know, they might, they might be willing to block together in a lot of cases, but I think that are still millions and millions of people who don't fit neatly into that pro Trump, uh, ecosystem or whatever like all the right. way down or something so like i don't think it's just all alt-right people trying to be bullies online i think there's probably just a lot of people who are not hyperactive in the most obvious ways kind of thing they're more uh you know just just living their lives kind of thing and have a little bit of this a little bit of that kind of stuff and maybe a lot of that is libertarian like someone like doug stanhope stanhope i always think of as like a, you know he's like a big libertarian guy and um you know well he kind of like walked that back right well i didn't know i didn't know that he walked that back i just knew about he, the, he yeah, yeah. I, I heard him i forget where i heard him talk about this maybe it was a podcast or something but he was saying like you know people made i, I came out as like a libertarian and kind of liked a lot of their ideas about like you know people just doing what they want and, and not having laws pre preventing you from doing anything if you're not harming other people that kind of thing it's like that sounded pretty good to me but then like i went to these like the conventions and stuff and people are just crazy and you know, they're all defending all these like corporations and stuff. So like, 
yeah, I'm not really that into that anymore. And I, I honestly didn't really know what the word meant. Like, I just like the idea of like people leaving me alone, you know? I, yeah. I, I think that's a, probably a good part of uh, like the whole libertarian thing is like, you sure. may not have a lot of contact with like other kinds of, you know, just with like political life in general. So you just kind of hear about something where it's like, yeah, do you like being left alone and not yeah, being yeah, bothered yeah. about things? Like, yeah, I do. Um, and maybe you would, otherwise sort of like agree with a lot of like kind of the mainstream sort of like just inherited wisdom about like freedom and democracy and the economy and that kind of stuff that kind of tends to be right wing but you also like don't buy into the whole like christian conservative kind of cultural stuff maybe that you really bristle strongly against that well like libertarianism is like tailor-made for you sure yeah so anyways that that actually even plays in more into what i was gonna say i was gonna say that like there's lots of people like that who just seem like reasonable people. I don't know. I, I don't think you have to kind of shut out people from discussions or whatever, or like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, I think there's a lot of uh, common ground you can build with people that are sort of just, uh, you know, pulled into different, things. I mean, just for myself personally, like, I think that you can kind of, you know, people, people can, you can meet people at different points in their lives than where they'll be in a few years and stuff too. I don't know. You know, sure. like, you know, so like, uh, I always try to think that now too, where it's like, I mean, there's so many people online that I've met that I would never have uh, expected that we could have become friends if I had met them online uh, in, in like just walking down the street or something. Right. So, um, right. just totally different experiences from mine or whatever. So, yeah, David um, Duke is actually a pretty nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing about that is, like, if you are a American or Canadian socialist, like an actual, like, Marxist socialist, and uh, and you're not willing to kind of let people have goofy political ideas and, and still talk to them, like, you got to understand what are other – if other people are willing to talk to you about politics and stuff. Even if you think you got it all figured out, like think about how the other person is like how much respect and kind of like latitude they're giving you. If, if they know that you're like a Marxist and given like how they probably think about that, you know what I mean? Just kind of extend the same respect. I don't know. I always kind of come back to that these days. It seems like people just don't do that anymore. Like they kind of have their, their camp, they have their political ideology and like, Anyone who doesn't either agree with them a hundred percent or at least accept their like superiority over all things is just like some kind of like moral, morally evil person. Like they're they're committing a moral failure by not accepting your superiority. Like just kind of like realize like maybe you know better than everyone else in the room. Okay, maybe that's true, but like they don't know that, so they're respecting you by letting you like kind of have like a talk uh, as peers. You know, so do the same. Hmm. Um, yeah, I thought I would quickly answer this one just because, uh, um, it's a Sirs can Donald please be more like his bad news Hughes persona on this podcast. Um, we had (laughs) talked about this a bit in some way about that, like, uh, finding more ways to be goofy maybe on this one. I don't know. Or like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I, I like the, that I can kind of just come here and just say exactly what I think honestly and just work through the things but i do think that there's like i don't know i don't know people like when we kind of joke around with leo and all those people like you know me and john and other people i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure what the yeah 
Yeah, I mean, my, my idea was that we would interview Bad News Hughes, like Don, like normal Don, and I would interview Bad News Hughes, so he would have to play both sides of that, and that's kind of getting maybe a little bit above our podcasting level to do something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was just like a funny idea I had when I was listening to his uh, intro on the last thing that he did. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's funny because... Uh, it, most other podcasts, I don't know, like that I listen to, tend to be very, very self-deprecating, all the way through. Like, you know, like saying stuff like, "I can't believe people listen to this," and uh, you know, going on and on about how the listeners are dumb or something, or like these people will listen to anything or something, you know. And uh, I, I always felt like it just was not; it was rude to do that for us, kind of thing. I really like it when other people do it, but I always kind of felt like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't like. Because once you do that, you kind of lean into it a lot, I find. Like, that's just, like, a thing that people do. So I think that we've mostly not done that kind of thing, even though uh, we are a pretty uh, um, shoestring operation kind of thing, you know? (laughs) But, like, uh, um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll get some feedback on that. But do you think that we should uh, openly admit constantly that the quality is not perfect? That's what we'll... Uh, yeah, yeah just, just type I, in I, I always feel like that's a little bit like like when people do that they're sort of being it's not they don't really believe it or whatever yeah yeah and it's just like some I, and I, I just like just drop the act just do you know if yeah. you're gonna put in the effort to put out a podcast you're obviously trying a little bit so just yeah, yeah, yeah. do do a good job i don't know i kind of I feel like I want to respect the audience's time with sure. something like this. So they're going to listen to something for like an hour, hour and a half, whatever. It should be somewhat worthwhile. And I hope that it is. It seems like enough yeah. people sort of like the show and listen to it re- regularly yeah. that we're doing something good here. So I don't know. That's sure. that's fine. I, I don't yeah. think we're solving all the world's problems and, you know, yeah. blowing anyone's brains or anything. But like, yeah, I don't know. There's no reason yeah. to like play that kind of goofy stuff. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up with people like Letterman and Conan O'Brien who just did that for 90% of their shows. Yeah. And uh, I did love that. But yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel authentic in this moment. So I just won't do it. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's our thing of being authentic in the moment. That's our motto. That's our cor- <laughs> corporate motto there. Sure. Um. Uh, all right. Let's try this one. I've recently lost one of my left hand's fingers in a kitchen accident. Upon losing it, I immediately tossed the severed finger into the fire and left it lit until said finger had burned into a crisp, as I'm offering to the Almighty, for I had used that finger in that hand to commit sin. Does this offering or sacrifice make me a pagan, sinner, or a holy man in the eyes of the only true Christian or even Muslim God? Um, hmm. Uh, well, I mean, part of it is that you you already lost it, I think, in an accident, right? So yeah, it's kind of like you're just disposing of it. It's more disposing than sacrifice, kind of thing. Like you'd have to, so you might want to cut off another finger if you're gonna right um, actually yeah. make it like a sacrifice, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I think that you know, I think in the Bible there's like that phrase that says something like, uh, "If your left hand offends the." cut it off or whatever or something so mm-hmm. um so you got you got some biblical backup there and in sharia like if you steal something with with no justification you your hand is cut off but that that would just absolve you of that sin 
So that wouldn't make you like some kind of holy man or a sinner or a pagan or anything like that. That just means like whatever sin you did, you're you're off the hook for it. Yeah. I guess the idea is that you could have had it reattached maybe or something if you didn't get it burned to a crisp. But right. uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that. I think that you're you're sort of out of luck here. You, you didn't you didn't really gain any favor, I think, from this. Um, if anything, yeah. you know, uh, God probably wants you to be a bit more careful at work. I don't know. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's also a bit wasteful. You wasted good finger meat. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. God hates waste. Yeah. Are Muslims cannibals? I, like asking it as if it's like a real. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom. You know, have you ever uh, encountered this, the eating of flesh by your brethren or something? You know, oh, I heard that the devil Mahound uh, <laughs> was uh, encouraging your, yeah, okay. Is it yeah. true that, that Mohammedans have blue skin? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right, we can do this one. Uh, do boys like Black Sabbath? I like Black mm. Sabbath well enough, I guess. I don't really like listen to them a ton, but some of their songs are really good. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know, just like the classics, you know, War Pigs and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned what War Pigs are, like the, the real historical, that's a historical reference. I mean, I don't know if this is what they were intending, but there was a thing called War Pigs, which was like militaries back, like this is, I think goes back to like Roman times, but I think it goes through medieval they used to take pigs and like cover them in like pitch and stuff like that tar you know and set them on fire and and let them loose on the fields of battle and that was especially effective at scaring war elephants because they pigs would just be like squealing and going crazy and obviously spreading fire everywhere so that's horrifying yeah 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 wow yeah i don't know uh, who like who was the guy that came up with that? I don't know. Yeah, you like, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> some general's crazy cousin Larry is like, yeah, no, yeah, Larry yeah, yeah. has this idea. I don't know. Seems like it might work. Yeah. Wow. Give it a shot. We we got a couple pigs. What's a couple pigs? Let's just give it a shot. Yeah. And it's like someone like writing home, whatever. Like my dearest Martha. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I greased up some pigs and set them on fire today. You know, that's my job in the war. Yeah. I don't know. know. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Pigs play a big part in Deadwood, which I'm watching now. Oh, yeah. Um, Where they, uh, um, the the Chinese guy that like the the guy that's like the lord over the Chinatown in the in the camp, um, Wu. He uh, he has a bunch of pigs and he keeps them there so that like. uh, Whenever uh, someone gets shot or something, they just take the body to the pigs and the pigs eat them. <laughs> and um, I don't know; it's very funny. The whole, the whole, the whole show is great. We're gonna have to do an episode of it one day when I'm when I'm done. And uh, I'm probably gonna be done this week, so we'll, we'll uh, maybe do that soon. But like, uh, I don't know. There's so many good things in it where they just uh, they just lean into it. Like the I, I love the parts with the, Ch- the Chinese people in it because uh, it's like it's like really really like them being like extremely racist back and forth kind of thing. But like, uh, in a way that's just like obvious, like it's just part of their lives kind of thing. It's not like, uh, it's not showy. 
It's it's just like mm-hmm. uh, he just like whenever whenever Wu comes over to Swearingen's office, like the kind of like main character guy kind of thing. Um, uh, he he doesn't know much English at all, so he just like yells in Chinese, very like a few words here and there. I don't know. It's very it's very entertaining to me, but like because it's like they and they just spend like five minutes trying to figure out what's going on. Kind of thing. <laughs> the it's more like things a, change, the more things stay <laughs> the same. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways. So that that'll be our a teaser, I think, for what's 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 coming up on the show is uh, talking about a ten year old program that is racist <laughs> or something. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. I uh, I never really watched through that. I watched the first couple episodes, and all I remember is they just say cocksucker a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, they, that's it, good. It, it's one of those things where it kind of builds. It builds where like uh, it's just it's it's just TV. Like, I mean, it's just like a it's just like perfect kind of one of those shows kind of thing where it's just like you kind of get to know the characters and then they're so like ingrained in your brain that like eventually you just like it's like you're just living at the camp with them or something just like sitting there being like oh yeah i don't know (laughs) and uh i don't know there's also there's all lots lots of little funny things that they have to do in the show too but it's just kind of like you really you, you get used to after a while that are just so funny that like i don't know like like uh, Al Swearingen, he's always on his like balcony kind of thing, just talking to people. But what they do in the show to like make it work is that like a lot of the show is done on like green screens and all this kind of stuff, or like something like that, where he'll just be like talking to people and like looking down at the street, and he'll just like say something like, uh, you know, you need to go over there and buy me a shovel or something, you know, just like whatever, and then, uh, um. And then the people in the street are like looking up towards him and talking, but it was obviously filmed at like different times and different things. You know what I mean? Like they just, mm-hmm. they just, uh, and there, that happens so often that it's, it's like almost like a joke at this point kind of thing. I don't know, but, uh, I love it. I don't know. It's great. It's one of my favorite good. TV shows, but yeah. So anyways, I'm trying to, trying to get more into it. It's funny because, because of like anxiety and stuff, it's hard for me to actually like just sit there and like watch something. It's like, it feels like, it feels like uh, like I'm doing like difficult work or something. Like it feels like I'm just sitting there being like, okay, I'm I'm watching this. I'm paying attention. This is happening now, kind of <laughs> thing or something, you know. And uh, in the last few weeks, I've been able to kind of burn through a lot of different movies and stuff and, and shows. So uh, it feels like uh, I don't know. It feels like I'm getting healthier or something. So that's good. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird, but like it's because it's still content. It's still just absorbing screens, but right. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I've been mainly watching. Uh, when I'm not playing Crusader Kings, I'm watching like YouTube's about battles from that time period. So like oh, today, yeah, I watched yeah. about like the Norman conquest of Sicily, and the other day I watched like a two-hour thing about the early Muslim conquests of them like taking over like parts of Iraq and Syria and stuff. And it just like breaks down the specific battles and, and kind of like some of the background about why things went the way they did and stuff. And they're, they're pretty entertaining and interesting and informative and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. That's what I've been watching and British bake off when that's coming, that recently started back on. So once a week I've been watching that. Yeah. Tabs and I like to watch that together. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we leave it out there for this week then? Unless there's another one you want to do or... Nope, that sounds good. Yeah, we can okay. leave it there. 
Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more of us, you can subscribe to our Patreon uh, for $5 a month at the normal level. And uh, you also are able then to talk on our Discord with our Discord community and uh, the goofballs that uh, enjoy having that space. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thank you. Bye.